welcome all of you who come on this cold and icy day in Washington and to those who join us by way of live stream, a warm welcome to you and our blessings to you who join us in spiritual communion at this mass. We have been reading Mark's gospel. This is the gospel assigned for this liturgical year. And Mark is very, very famous about all the miracle stories. He recounts them all, or many of them at least. Now we're told, as we learned last Sunday, that towns, entire towns of people gathered together for these miracles. This would have been thousands and thousands of people every day. They heard that Jesus was in town and they quickly went to where he was because they wanted to be healed. And there were many healings, extraordinary healings. This one in particular is leprosy. Now a leper, of course, in his day, would have been an entire outcast. Outcast because not only of the hygiene, but also because there was this sense that the diseases that you had were an outward sign of God's disapproval, God's judgment. Somehow you had done something to deserve this. So a leper in particular with his skin disorder and this disease was clearly a sign of God's wrath, vengeance. He did something or his family did something. Somewhere someone's guilty and he bears the brunt of this, whether himself or his family. He is the outward sign to the entire world that God is very, very upset with him. So that was the case with all sins. If you were a sinner, you were put aside. And in the case of this man, he is left in the caves far outside the town. So he comes to Jesus. He finds out that Jesus is around. Can you imagine? He's coming in the midst of all these people, and they have to be so scared. A leper, this contagious disease, is among us. And he's there alone with the Lord. The Lord is not afraid of anything. So this man comes up and kneels down in front of all these people. That's the context. And begs him. Now, again, if the leper is an outward sign of God's wrath or vengeance, and Jesus heals the man, then Jesus is in trouble with the law. Unless Jesus has the power of God. Now that's going to get our Lord into big trouble because he's a man, he's a prophet, he's a guru, he's a wonder worker, yes, but he cannot be divine. How can a man be a God? This would be blasphemy. It'll be one of the big accusations against our Lord on Good Friday. He made himself into a God and therefore he must die. So our Lord could have said, look, um, friend, you're a leper. You know the law. You're an outcast. You've sinned. You're guilty. You should be ashamed of yourself, and you should go away. And go away for the sake of your disease, because these people don't want to get sick. He pushes this man not away, but he is moved with pity. He stretches out his own hand and touches the man 
who is leprous. Now just imagine what the people must be thinking. Oh my God. Oh my God. Just imagine what you'd be thinking. Someone with a very dangerous disease and Jesus is touching them in front of you. You're going, oh dear. Not good. This is not good. For all the reasons I've said and also just practically, this is not a good scene. Jesus could get sick. Jesus could die. But that doesn't happen. The man had heard about this. He's so desperate, he wants to be healed. Who of us doesn't want to be healed? Now, you might say to yourself, well, that was then, and Jesus was there 2,000 years ago, and, and I believe the stories. I don't think they're made up. There are just too many of them. And why would so many people follow if it was just a joke? No, we believe it was real, but there's a tendency to think, oh, Jesus doesn't heal today. He can't touch me today. I can't go to him because he's not physically here to take care of my ailments, my cancer. He can't touch me. He can't heal me. And I'm not asking for a miracle because I just know that, well, let's leave it up to the doctors as best we can. Let's leave it to science. Let's let them do their work, and that's the best we can do. There's a lot of that attitude. But this man, and like you, perhaps, or you know people in your family, friends, who are very, very ill, they need healing. So you make every opportunity to come to our Lord and say, like the, the leper, if you wish, Lord, you can do it. Notice how beautiful this dialogue is. The leper doesn't say, make me clean, do it. There's no order. There's no imperative here. He says, if you wish, Lord. Isn't that beautiful? This man is so desperate, he doesn't say, do it, heal me. He says, if you wish, I know you can make me clean. That's why our Lord is so moved with pity and the faith of this man that he says, I do will it. He touches him, and the man, we're told, is immediately clean of leprosy. Can you believe that? Do you believe that? Do I believe that? To our friends who are gathering with us, many of you who are sick at home, or you know people who are sick and suffering this way? Now, in his day, many people followed our Lord because he was the miracle worker. He was the wonder worker. He was this tremendous power. But when they didn't get the miracle, when it didn't happen the way they wanted, many of them, in fact, the vast majority, would leave. Oh, well, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get what I'd hoped for. Let's move on to something else. In fact, on Good Friday, who's there? After three years of public ministry, after all, all these miracles, you'd think there would have been people there saying, Lord, is there something we can do for you? You've done all this for us, but what can we do for you, Lord, in your hour of suffering? And no one was there except Mary and John at the foot of the cross. All the others left. They fled. They were thinking of themselves. Naturally, of course, they were afraid to be persecuted 
and end up on a cross. Will you run from him too? Would you run from him after all that he's done for you? Would you run away? So the gospel is very real then as it is for us now. Our Lord wants to heal us, and it's the way we invite him. We don't say, Lord, do it. We say, Lord, if you wish, if it's your will. And this is a very important thing we have to remember because God has to do this. If God's going to do it, we can't manipulate it. We can't say, let's make a deal, Lord. Okay, you heal me and I'll do this for you. There's no, let's make a deal. It doesn't work that way. A lot of people do work with God that way. They'll say, look, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. You grant me the healing, I'll, I'll do this the rest of my life, maybe. No, it's really a trust in the will of God. And it is mysterious, because I don't know the will of God entirely, but I do know that he does always good things. And he always is moved with pity. And he's moved by our prayers. But if he wills it, praise God. If he doesn't will it, the way we expect it, that doesn't mean he's not doing something to heal us in other ways. How many of you have yourself or you've known people who were not cured of diseases, but as you prayed, as they prayed, as you asked our Lord for those healings, the other things happened. There came about an inner sense of peace, acceptance. You were able to basically bear this cross out of love for him who bore his cross out of immense love for us all. Those are healings, friends. Peace of mind, peace of heart, families that come together, greater love. So disease is not always necessarily something that we expect to go away with our Lord it can actually be a cause of joy. What? Yeah. Like the psalm said today, in times of trouble, I turn to you, Lord, and I experience the joy of my salvation. So, be careful what you ask for and how you ask. Because if you don't get what you want, then you might leave. And you say, Lord, I've been praying all my life, and I didn't get the, the miracle, and I might as well give up on this. I know many people that just leave God because of that. But God doesn't leave you. He never did. Never will. It's the way he wills it. And he desires that we be clean. Now, again, back to this Gospel of Mark. Why does St. Mark, throughout the Gospels, with these miracle stories tell us that our Lord wants these people who have been healed to say nothing about it publicly. He said to him, see that you tell no one anything. But the man went away and began to publicize the whole matter, which made it impossible for Jesus now to go into towns openly. He's so famous now, his reputation is bigger than life, and he cannot do something more important than just miracles. Because that's all they're coming to him now. That's all they want. They don't want anything else. They may not even want to convert. 
or repent. They don't really want to believe in God necessarily. They just want the miracle. Give me that. That's all I came to the store to buy. You ever done that? You know, you go into a place and you're looking around and someone says, may I help you? Can we sell you this? Can we sell you? No, I just want a loaf of bread. And while we have that, no, no, I just want a loaf of bread. That's what I came here for. I don't want all this other stuff. Don't try to sell me anything else. I just came for this, Lord. But see, Jesus doesn't operate that way. So you say, Lord, I'm just coming for that miracle. That's all I want. It's like ashes on Ash Wednesday, as a footnote. It's coming up, as you know, on Wednesday. And it's amazing to me, after 31 years of priesthood, that there are people that just want the ashes. They don't want the body and blood of Jesus. They don't want to worship. They want the ashes. That's it. The doorbell rings until midnight at night. Every Ash Wednesday. You have any more ashes? That's all I came for. God bless them. But the point is, it's not about the ashes alone. There's something much bigger about our faith than just the ashes, and even more about the miracle in itself. It's about a relationship with our Lord so we can trust him in those times when we don't get what we want. But we do get, as we've said so many times, maybe what we need. So I didn't get the cure, but I got joy. I didn't get the miracle of this ailment or that cancer removed, but I found trust. I found peace. I found greater courage to do this that I didn't have before. And those friends are also miracles. Finally then, we are about to experience a miracle every time we come to Mass. It's just good to be reminded of that, to remind ourselves really what is about to happen here is a miracle that bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. You want a miracle? Here it is.